Welcome back to Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Millett. Today's story comes to us from across the world. Team New Zealand pole vaulter Olivia McTaggart was nearly an Olympian in 2020, but her journey began far from the runway. McTaggart started her athletic career in gymnastics. The 5'7 Australian began competitive gymnastics at age 4. Her favorite event was the uneven bars, and when the McTaggart family moved from the Gold Coast of Australia to Auckland, New Zealand, it opened their daughter up to increased access to high-level athletics. McTaggart would eventually have a 10-year career in gymnastics, excelling at the uneven bars, until three stress fractures in her back precluded her from continuation in the sport. She spoke with a doctor who deduced that her career as a gymnast was over. She was 14 years old. Then, she found a spinal surgeon who interpreted her athletic career in a different way. That was what I thought I would be going to Olympics in. That's what I thought the rest of my career would look like as an athlete. Um, And one of the quotes that I guess um, one of those surgeons at the time said, which is out there, is um, it's easier to fix a broken back than it is a broken spirit. And I thought that was just so... So interesting, like after having no hope from that doctor and he just point blank said, you'll never do gymnastics again, to seeing this other person and him saying that pretty much free reign, go do whatever you would like, whatever's going to make you happy um, and we can fix it up afterwards if we have to, <laughs> um, kind of gave me that all go ahead to to start another sport. And um, in that time, like I said before, like everything sort of pointed towards that being pole vaulting and that's why I look back on um, this sort of injury happening from gymnastics is almost one of the best things that happened to me because if that didn't happen I probably wouldn't be where I am today I wouldn't um, be in a different sport like I don't know if I would still be doing gymnastics my body probably would have given out in some other way um, so I don't know it's, it's just funny how things like that can happen in life and at the time you think it's possibly one of the, not one of the worst things but like a really tough thing to go through and then Looking back now with a little bit more perspective, you're able to see that it's possibly one of the best things that happened and everything fit into place. And um, those fractures have sort of healed now, um, whether it's physically, but also metaphorically, it's one of those things that I've just had to had to deal with. I still do manage um, my back injuries, but I guess transitioning into pole vaulting, I've been able to get a really good team around me to keep that together, I guess, yeah. One of McTaggart's friends, Imogen Aris, was at the time making a similar transition out of gymnastics and asked if the two training partners could go to a seminar on pole vaulting together. So between her starting a few months before me, um, but then also the coach that I have now, Jeremy McCall, um, he used to do gymnastics. It's all connected. Um, he did gymnastics, but then also um, had like a little bit of a weightlifting background and he actually turned up to our school and did a school visit, um, which we still do a little bit every now and then, um, where it's kind of like a exhibition on pole vaulting. So he'll take some of the athletes or some of the school kids um, and try get them to um, get into the sport a little bit more. So I was there one of the days, which unfortunately at the time, that's when my back still wasn't doing very well. Um, so I didn't get to try it out, but I remember after he'd done it with the rest of the class, he was saying, does anyone have any questions? Um, and I was sort of like, 
little old Livy. Um, I was like, do you think I would still be able to do it like with a with a sore back or like an injured back? And he was like, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and asked me to come along and try it. And that was sort of when I realized, right, this is maybe one of those sports that um, would be quite similar. Like I saw him sort of flinging our students around the, around the hall and um, going upside down. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna give that one a go. So everything kind of just fit into place between um, Imogen and Jeremy and then um, getting to see the Millennium, which is one of the best facilities we have um, in the Northern Hemisphere. So it all fell into place and um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that it did it for that time. What McTaggart didn't anticipate was the gymnastics and pole vaulting are inherently similar. Pole vaulting essentially combines the skills of the uneven bars and the vault. Arm, core, and leg strength are all prerequisites for gymnasts excelling in those two events, and the transition to pole vaulting from those disciplines is a fairly common process. The vault momentum is nearly the exact motion that McTaggart relies on now to lift her 16 feet in the air. A lot of pole vaulters are ex-gymnasts, which is really interesting, um, going into the sport and finding out that there are a lot of other um, athletes just like me who are transitioned from the same sport. Um, myself, my transition kind of came from um, one of my gymnastics teammates starting before me as well. Um, so that's how I sort of transitioned. But I mean, the similarities from a lot of different events, like the bars is one of the ones which is surprisingly not as similar to pole vault. Um, I'd say probably the vault um, and um, I don't know, some of the floor aspects and even beam, but um, I think there's so many different things that can be taken from gymnastics into pole vaulting. Like it's one of those sports that really sets you up foundation wise. So I've sort of gone from um, creating all this like strength and speed and training 20 hours a week um, to then go into pole vaulting, which you need strength, speed, agility, um, like all this sort of power that is just transitioned into a different sport. So it almost just worked out so well. Um, you got to be pretty fearless in, in, in both those sports. So I think that created like a very um, happy medium and an easier transition, um, even though there are a few different things that made that transition a little bit harder as to how I got into it as well. Less than six months into her newfound career as a pole vaulter, McTaggart earned a bronze medal at the Australian Junior Championship. That got the ball rolling. It, it happened so quickly. Like the, the trend between the transition of like a few different months of struggling with trying to get my back in the right place um, to, I think it was like a year later, I had my first, um, or even less than that, my first competition overseas in Australia, which was the Australian Junior Championships where I actually did quite well. I think I got third at that time, uh, which is where that sort of ticked off a little bit more. I was still doing some really small heights um, and then the season after that is when everything came together, which was the season of 2016, 17. 2017, a 16-year-old McTaggart came into the season and broke the under-17 New Zealand record. Her height of 4.22 meters was 22 centimeters higher than her personal best and broke Team New Zealand's Eliza McCartney's previously held record by 11 centimeters. McCartney, the reigning Olympic bronze medalist from Rio, only held the national record for a week. In, in pole vaulting and after doing that, um, that height of 4 meters 22, 4 meters 30 at the time, 
it just propelled me onto, I don't know, I was having media interviews, I was having um, all these different things that I just had no idea was even part of the sport um, that I was sort of just thrown into, which was really exciting. And uh, I think that's that year is when I realized that there are a lot of different things that um, I can be doing and going on to, I guess, the New Zealand team, so to say. Um, we sort of see the New Zealand team or Team NZ as your first time wearing New Zealand on your chest. Starting with that record and having Eliza pave that way and I think that's sort of why it blew up so much was because Eliza McCartney had got that bronze medal the year before as well so there was a lot more media and attention around that but I guess it sort of started around that time um, of getting that, getting that record and then transitioning into what was um, the next two years of a really big, big moment for, I guess, a 16 to 18 year old. McTaggart joined Athletics New Zealand, and rightfully so. Jumping her national record and personal best solidified her as the third best pole vaulter in the world. Between ages 16 and 18, McTaggart was figuring out her pole vaulting abilities while also discovering who she was outside of her sport and where her values lie. You see your name up on the scoreboard and you're currently in third or you're currently in second place and um <clears throat> or fourth and you see if I get this jump then it's going to propel me into third place and you're like oh that means a medal and then I get very like um I don't know caught up with that a little bit rather than just like sticking to what I had to do um but with the pressure thing as well I think given the fact that Eliza had paved that way before me a lot of the time I didn't really feel as though I was able to, um, I guess, be in my own footsteps. Like I was always constantly kind of compared to Eliza. Like even that under 17 record was blown up so much because of Eliza, um, which sort of made it hard for me to <clears throat> create my own journey without that being um, something like at the forefront. Like in New Zealand, when, any when anyone thinks of pole vaulting, it's, oh, so, you know, Eliza McCartney or, you know, like, like, do you train with her or anything like that? Um, so I think the pressure was something that um, I didn't really know how to deal with until I had to be front-faced with it. Um, and not many people, I guess, have that comparison to someone else at that young age. And I think that meant I had to grow up a lot quicker and meant I had to... I guess more responsibilities, but at the same time it was more opportunities. So I had more opportunities because it was Eliza who was um, paved that way. I had more um, things that I could be a part of. It came to sponsorships, it came to all these different things that um, allowed me those opportunities at a young age, but also um, had a weird pressure aspect because I was always being compared to someone else, I think. McTaggart was 18 years old and the youngest member of Team New Zealand. The only way she knew how to handle the new pressures thrust upon her was to compete and learn. Competition nerves that come into it as well, which I love. Like I definitely um, encourage those nerves to be coming on um, and dealing with them. Like when I was younger, it was a little bit scary, whereas now I'm like, yes, I'm feeling nervous. Like this is a really good thing um, to get excited for even like the smallest of meets. And then do my little pre-comp routine on the runway, which is sort of, on the runway, looking the other way, two stomps of the feet, um, three deep breaths, and then 
away I go. So that's definitely been developed a lot over the years, but that's a little bit in a nutshell of how I'll get ready for a competition and what what that's what that feels like on the runway. So there's a lot of like up and down of knowing that you're not always up here. Those arousal levels um, need to be balanced and learning that over the years has been really interesting. You're like, oh, this feels like a bad thing. I don't know what I'm doing. And especially in gymnastics, I'd be like on the beam and the beam would be like shaking because I'm so nervous. <laughs> it's You almost connect it up to a bad thing or something that you don't really know how to understand. Um, and for myself, when I went into pole vaulting, I still felt them. And it took a few years to actually understand them and break them down and talk to my sports psych, but then also um, having different experiences that attach to these nerves. It was trying to understand, right, like, this is something that actually helps me to compete well. And I connected them up to the adrenaline that I would get from a competition as well. I see myself as very much so a competitor. I love competing. Um, I've almost always like competed a lot better than I train as well, um, which obviously it's better to be that way. Um, even when training's possibly not going as well. Um, but connecting those nerves to adrenaline and then that adrenaline to knowing that that's what I feel in competition. That's what I associate competition with. And I associate myself as a competitor. So it's sort of like a bit of a process in understanding them and choosing and I, I do think you can choose at the time when you feel those nerves. Are these exciting nerves or are they fearful? 2018 ushered in her first Commonwealth Games. Originally qualifying for the Games was pretty big for me. Um, at the time, I, did, I had already jumped the height to qualify um, without needing to try chase it, which was one of those really good things as well because I've now realized throughout my career it's really hard to <clears throat> like chase chase heights so a lot of that was I don't know again having that as one of my first major internationals at 18 years old being the youngest on the team was I guess I went into it with a perspective of just going to learn um, going to have not that much expectation as well I knew that Eliza had quite a bit of expectation going into it. So I was kind of underneath her and um, to be there competing with her was really awesome because I could sort of feed off what she was doing um, whilst trying to understand who I was as an athlete at the time. I still had a lot to learn. Um, and that was one of those big experiences that allowed me that opportunity to learn and to be on a um, New Zealand team and to represent my country and understand all those sorts of things. Um, again, at such a pretty quick pace, I hadn't even had time to, um, I had a few years after that, but it was just understanding what it's like to be on an international stage, um, be at a major competition, um, learning all those sorts of things at the Commonwealth Games, at my birthplace on the Gold Coast was what made it really, really special for me as well. McTaggart ended up ninth in the Commonwealth Games with a 4.3 meter jump. It seemed like she was in a good rhythm in her training schedule, and her heights were reinforcing that. Her nerves were gone, and the 18-year-old felt free to put her all into pole vaulting. She compiled a string of first-place finishes to start off 2019, until April's Auckland Vertical Pursuit, a competition during which McTaggart was trying to clear 4.4 meters. Her second attempt at the height, 
her carbon fiber pole snapped, sending her falling dangerously onto the mat. One of my first attempts at four meters 40 and go to take off into it and the pole snaps, um, just falls into three three different places, snaps, and I'm on the mat kind of trying to understand what it is that just happened. Like it happens just like this, it's so loud. Um, it happens in literally a split second and I felt my hand straight away ping with, um, it wasn't pain because I think it was just so much shock that happened at once. I was just like, something's not right in there. Um, <laughs> I've just snapped a pole, started to realize what actually happened. Um, at the time it was super scary. Um, sort of walked over, was holding my hand, walked over to my coach. Um, he was asking if I was okay. I walked back on the runway um, just to get some of my stuff and then my physio was there at the time and I remember I wanted to keep competing um, and I was like do you think do you think like I'd be able to which at the time I was like why and she she even said she was like, I don't think there's anything structurally wrong with it she had a little um, look at it and then I was like okay how cool would that be to like go for this again like I don't want to leave um, like having broken a pole and not trying another pole vault again and not like finishing the competition, which looking back is kind of crazy. But I, going back to pole vaulting after that injury, um, I didn't want it to be associated like straight away with the last time you pole vaulted, you snapped a pole. So I was like, right, I do want to give this another go. My hand was so sore. <laughs> um, I didn't know what was wrong with it, but it was, it was pretty sore um, at the time. And I was like, I just want to go for another attempt. Like, I just want to try this again. Um, went onto a pole up. Um, so I had to, obviously didn't have that pole that I was on before. So I had to go onto another one um, and went for another attempt um, and didn't, didn't quite get it. But I, I mean, I'm still happy that I sort of gave it a go. But then afterwards, I was in so much pain. And um, that night was um, even worse. And so got the diagnosis and I had completely fractured my trapezium um, in my hand. So like not even just like a little bit of a um, fracture, like completely broke apart. Like the um, x-ray was like, whoa, you did a good job of that. <laughs> she was in the cast for six weeks. So coming back from that injury was pretty difficult. Um, and even the mental space of that, having snapped a pole, I had to work really, really um, hard alongside my sports site to make sure that there wouldn't be an inhibiting factor when I came back to the sport, because it's something that it's sort of, it is, I guess you could say like traumatic. It's a, it's a trauma response when you um, snap that pole and um, get an injury that bad from it. So I remember trying to visualize my vaulting because um, I, I tried a lot of visualization in that time to make sure that I was um, when I came back to it, I was pole vaulting right. And every time that I would try to visualize a pole vault, I would snap the pole again. And that was just so difficult because I was like, I can't even think, I can't even visualize myself pole vaulting without this snapping. Like, how am I going to actually pole vault again? She followed that up with a fourth place finish at the Summer World University Games in Italy in July, where she jumped a 4.31. I wanted to compete well. I wanted to wear... Um, I guess New Zealand on my chest with pride and it always comes back to having gone through a struggle or a challenge it feels so much better when you succeed out of it um, and so I was really proud of myself even though it wasn't quite the height that I wanted it was a consistent height 430 that I knew I could do on any given day really 
Um, it wasn't that close to my PB, which as an athlete, I'm always a little bit hard on myself. I was like, oh man, if I'd jumped a little bit higher, then that would have got me in third or um, got me a got me a podium. But um, I think after the few months that I'd had, it was something that could just reinforce. You put so much work into getting this rehabbed and getting it better. Um, it's maybe not the height you wanted, but it's a height that can be sort of commended on a world stage as fourth at the World University Games is, is still a pretty good, pretty good result. I think it was a one or a five centimetre PB, um, which is good to be getting personal bests every year, but that had sort of slowed down a little bit more after such a high from when I was 16, 17, 18. <clears throat> I think it was a time where I actually slowed down a little bit. I just took time to, I guess, reevaluate what I was doing and um, what the path that I was on not reevaluating it, but just trying to understand how can I get to that next level? Like always trying to trying to understand that. And it took a bit of an average season for me to do that. McTaggart had done the rehab. She was getting back into the swing of things, but additional pressures were mounting. The next hurdle, 2020's Tokyo Olympics. That season is what um, took a massive perspective shift because every single competition that I was doing, I was like, right, I have to do well for this to go to the Olympics. Like I, I should be jumping this. I need to be doing this. And those words I just should need to have to were just like inhibiting my performance because I didn't feel like that fun and that like enjoyment factor came into it very much. Um, and I remember a few athletes saying like, oh, they've kind of lost that enjoyment factor or they're not having as much fun. I was like, what do you mean? Like, how do you not love your sport anymore? Like, I didn't understand it until that season where I was jumping heights I didn't quite, I, I wasn't really that proud of. Um, my training wasn't going the best and I was running through a lot, so not committing to my jumps um, because I guess you could say pressure got to me. Um, the dream that I'd always had, which was the Olympics um, and that was my season to try qualify for it and I was jumping heights like 40s and um, 30s I wasn't in that 50s 60s zone like I wanted to be um, because every competition I was like I have to do well at this I felt so much pressure um, I even had like some people around me saying like this competition is one you have to do well and like this is what's going to help you get points for the Olympics and I was like oh like every single competition I'm trying to do well, like it, it shouldn't change. And that's something I definitely realized out of that, but it, nothing really should be changing. You're wanting to do well at every single competition. So that was a perspective shift from that season. It was an interesting one. Yeah. I knew this wasn't just the Commonwealth Games, the World Universities. It was, it was a big one, the big O show, which I've been looking forward to my whole entire life. Uh, I was like, right, I have another year. I need to get my A into G and, um, figure out what it is to get me to the Olympics, um, which took that whole next season. Um, and it took some changes in my team as well. So I changed my strength coach. I changed, I think it was 2019. Um, I changed my sports psych and a few other people. So I was like, to get the right people on board, the people that I'm gonna know and trust. Um, and I was feeling really, really good in my prep of doing that. Um, obviously I was still like really nervous and had that pressure of the Olympics. Um, it was always just in the back of my head, like the Olympics, the Olympics. Um, and it, it wasn't coming back to what do I need to do to get here? What are the little things that are gonna help me to get to the big, 
the big one, um, which 2020 again um, was, sorry, 2021 um, was pretty rough because I had another pole snap, um, which I was like, oh man, it was um, in the period I had just jumped for me as 55, which was a personal best for me at the time. And I was like, right, I'm on the right, I'm on the right track. I'm doing well. It's something that um, I'm like this close to getting there. Um, and the competition afterwards, I got a PB, I snapped another pole and I was just devastated. As soon as I was on the mat, I was like, I know I've done something to my hand again. I know it's going to be a setback. And as soon as I sat in pole, I'm like, right, I'm not going to the Olympics. It's, that's my dream over just like that, like in wanting to go to the Tokyo ones. And it was devastating. Um, I had to come back from it. And again, it was talking to my team and they're like, right we'll get you back in 10 weeks and then um, try a few more competitions. So I had to rehab that whole thing. I'd known what to do and I came back from it as well as I could have, but um, it took away that streak of doing well. Like I just got a PB and I was in that zone and I had another setback. Um, and we had three competitions. So myself and Eliza had three competitions to qualify. We're in a similar point. She'd come sort of was trying to get back from an injury um, and I had just, hers was a lot worse, but I was trying to come back to it. And three competitions with that pressure is really difficult um, because four meters 70 was the height that we had to do to qualify. And I knew that it, it just wasn't quite in my reach as much as I wanted to believe it was. It was a little bit too far away for me and it was a really tough process to realize um, on that third competition when neither of, neither of us had got that height. Um, and we knew we weren't going to the Olympics. It was, it was tough. We both broke down crying. I guess it was just like such a rough moment because it's something we'd worked towards for so long. And it was such a big thing that um, the pressure had sort of got to us. The fact that I had an injury just sent me back even more. Um, and getting that notice, that letter saying that I couldn't was just right. That set in stone. I just need to sort of get away from that. But yeah, it was, it was definitely tough in those few months. When neither McTaggart nor McCartney qualified for Tokyo 2020, McTaggart dedicated her time to stepping back from the sport and once more evaluating her place. By this time, she had snapped her third and fourth poles and had moved from carbon fiber to fiberglass poles. When 2020 rolled around, she was preparing to go on vacation in New Zealand when she got a call from her coach. Can you be in Belgrade, Serbia in a few days for the World Indoor Championship? I was invited pretty much a week out from the competition, <laughs> which ideally, I mean, we just had the New Zealand championships where I jumped for me 65, which I knew is one of those heights that uh, would open up some doors for me. I didn't know they would open up those doors a week later to one of the biggest competitions I've done, um, which is really exciting. But I thought the selection date was gone. I, I didn't even really have that in my head. I was actually about to go on holiday for a couple of days and it was when I was driving down the coast that I got a call from my athletics sort of manager and she said, you've been invited by World Athletics to compete at the World Indoors. And I was like, I'm on my way to the beach, but <laughs> like it was, it was crazy. It was the World Indoors I've always seen as, and it pretty much is one of the hardest competitions to get into. Um, 471 is the automatic qualifier and then they take the athletes um, down from there. So I knew that 65 was one of those heights that could put me 
in that sort of ranking, but I didn't I didn't think I was I thought the selection was completely over. Um and getting that invitation, she was like, right, I need an answer by the end of the day. Um, because it was very quick moving. I I pretty much shot her within the hour. I was like, yeah, I'm going. Like, let's try to make this happen. I was so excited. Um, she had to try book flights and get polls sorted. So we had some flights and we thought that we had um, my polls on those flights. It's very hard to travel with polls. Um, so it wasn't until the Wednesday that I was actually leaving. Um, the Tuesday night, she said that we can't get the polls onto the flights. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? So between her, luckily there wasn't too much stress on me. It was herself and my coach sorted for, to buy some poles from Poland, ironically enough. I love enough. that. <laughs> um, buy four poles and get them driven 14 hours to Serbia. And so I paid someone to do that, buy the poles, get that sorted, get me on a flight um, that flight got me to the competition or to Serbia two days before I competed, which from New Zealand to Serbia, my dad actually told me this the day before I left. He was like, funnily enough, Serbia is um, Serbia and Auckland are the two furthest away major cities that you can get. Like from Serbia, like Auckland is the um, biggest like main city that's pretty much the furthest away. Like you couldn't really get further away from Serbia. So that was like a 30 plus hour trip to get there. Um, obviously changing time zones, a week of trying to figure out what it was, um, what my jet lag had to be, when I had to be sleeping, what my nutrition would be, what would be different in pretty much such a short amount of time talking to all my team. Um, that I got to the competition and the day before I took the poles fresh out of their tubes and taped them up. So brand new poles uh, I'd never competed on. Normally for us in a tube, we'd have about 10 poles or eight poles that we'd go through. So I had, um, I didn't have my in-between poles. I just had full flexes of just four when normally I would have eight or 10 poles. So that in itself was a little bit of a challenge. Um, I made it work pretty well, um, given the circumstances, I think. I think because everything happened all at once and I had such a short time space, I couldn't even really, didn't even have time to think. I was just so excited to be going to this competition. That was one of the biggest ones with some international athletes that the pole situation was um, something I had to deal with, but it meant that I didn't have to travel with poles going over, which I guess was good, but it was definitely a, a mission going into it, yeah. Among 12 of the best female pole vaulters in the world, her height of 4.6 meters placed sixth. There at the World Indoor Championships was 12 of the fittest and healthiest best pole vaulters in the world. And to be one of those um, going to that competition was just like, this is incredible. Like I'm finally able to feel this. Um, I didn't know if I would feel like I belonged because I hadn't quite been there um, to a competition that big before, but I got there and I walked up into the stadium. I was like, right, I belong here. Like, this is what I'm so excited for. This is what I've been waiting for. Like a lot of my career is this feeling to be jumping with these girls that I've looked up to for so long. So it almost felt like a similar experience to the Commonwealth Games where um, it's not quite the placing I wanted, but I had I had two, two things I wanted to get out of it, um, to have fun and to learn as much as I could. 
two simple things um, and make sure that I gave every jump the best that I could. My coach wasn't able to go either. So between, um, which I never used these as an excuse at the time, but looking back between not having a coach, um, getting poles last minute, flying in two days before, um, getting like minimal sleep was um, to be able to go out there and get five centimeters below my personal best, which that's that's nothing like it. that 460 was a height that I've only done two times before that um, and it finished off my season so well because the top eight placing is is really good um, and for my first major international championship um, Commonwealth Games sort of counts but not really like this was my first major um, with the best of the best was I mean I I could have been happy with a 470, but at the same time, um, I'd pretty much taken that week off because I was away. Um, and then I didn't have much prep going into it. My training wasn't that good. The week leading into it, I barely bolted. Um, was just like, to be able to perform that well, um, given the circumstances, gave me so much hope because it means that when everything does come together and I'm prepared for a major championship, I can hit that so hard and be so ready for it. But that was just an amazing experience in itself. It felt like I was 18 year old Libby again. The year before I'd been um, obviously not selected from the Olympics and that was something really hard to go through. And this was a competition that was gonna be those girls that were at the Olympics and I'm gonna be competing with them and I deserve this. And I've gone through quite a bit to get here, which made it that much sweeter, the fact that so much went into that competition and I was able to perform at my best. Like, I mean, I'm not sure how many other athletes did vault um, like that close to their personal best, whereas I, I was able to go there and perform. And I think Kiwis, us New Zealand athletes do quite well on the world, um, world stage and the world platform. So to be able to go out there and perform the best I could with New Zealand on my chest was um, something I could be really proud of. Now, McTaggart has her sights set on Paris 2024. She's attacking her training with renewed vigor and is anticipating carving her way to the top in two years. I'm a completely different athlete from 2020. Um, I've grown so much to get to where I am now and I'm like, I know I can get to Paris. That's one that I can hopefully go into as a competitor as well. Um, this is one that I've sort of been waiting for and I know that I'll be 24 in a pretty good position. Um, having done the heights that I have now, I don't want to be worried, worrying about qualifying. has been a big thing for me. Like I've always sort of worried about getting into a competition. Whereas I want to be at that point where, right, I'm in and I'm a competitor. I don't need to worry about that too much. So I'm very excited. Now that she's at the top of her game, McTaggart enjoys watching other elite athletes compete and reach their goals. And you just know that every single one of them has gone through some sort of struggle because you see that, like excitement and joy in their face when they do well and you're like they're happy they've done well but they're relieved because everyone all athletes go through different struggles and that's what makes that outcome or that success so much sweeter because you know what you've gone through and you know for me it's been like a bit of a rough few years um and even the last few months have been hard but um something that I've known I've been able to get through so it just makes me even more excited for the next few years because I'm no longer afraid of failure. I'm not really scared of that anymore. I just know that um, I can get through and I can perform when I need to, which is the biggest thing, I think. Yeah. If you're working through an internal struggle and hoping to come out on top, 
regardless of whether you're an athlete or not. Today's sponsor can help you sort all of those details and emotions out. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and once again, I'm so thrilled to be working with them. All the stories I've told thus far have been the vulnerabilities of elite athletes and team personnel. But what happens before they're comfortable speaking about some of the most vulnerable times in their lives on such a public forum? Nearly all of them, including McTaggart, have utilized either a sports psychologist or a therapist. Now, I'm bringing that option to you, the listeners. If you've ever listened to a Closer Mentality episode and thought, I feel exactly the same way, I'm working with BetterHelp to bring online therapy to your phone and computer. BetterHelp offers video, phone, and live chat options, and you can speak to a licensed therapist in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 licensed therapists around the country, and you have access to them at any time. You can get thoughtful messages from your therapist, and if you aren't happy, it's free to change providers. If you're worried about the cost of traditional talk therapy, BetterHelp also plans for that. They offer financial aid if funding is the only thing standing between you and getting the help you need. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. I have a special offer for all Closer Mentality listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Closer Mentality. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much to Livy for coming on episode 66 of Closer Mentality. You can follow her journey to Paris 2024 on Instagram at Livy underscore McTaggart underscore PV. You can also follow Closer Mentality at Closer Mental. If you want to hear Livy and I's full interview, click the Closer Mentality Uncensored link in the show notes. She's awesome. And thank you so much for getting to the end of episode 66 of Closer Mentality. As always, I'm your host, Julia Mellett. See you next week.